all the time. It's always encouraging to uh, remember that God is always good, particularly in times of trouble. When I first um, heard that I would be up here following uh, the week after Daryl Emerson, my heart sank. Um, Daryl is a real preacher. Um, He's a wonderful man, a faithful Christian, um, a man of God, and someone that I truly admire. So I asked myself, well, what am I doing up here? Um, And so, in asking that, what are my credentials to be here? I'll be the first to admit that I did not go to seminary. I have no formal education in uh, theology. I'm not a biblical scholar. Um, That said, um, I have read a fair amount of scripture, and I do know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. Um, The Greek is a plumber, and the Hebrew has a deli in Alpharetta. (laughs) So take that into consideration and lower your expectations, if you would, please. My sole credential for being here is that I love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's all. Please join me in a prayer. Lord, we know you can speak in and through any means you choose. And we have this treasure of your spirit in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from you and not from us. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for his sake. Amen. Um, the scripture today is from John 16, 32 through 33. Uh, as is our custom, would you please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. If you'd like to uh, follow along in the Pew Bible, it's on page 765. This continues a string of uh, verses and messages from the book of John. Words of Jesus, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Please be seated. The title of today's message is, Take Heart in Times of Trouble. And in these verses, we're hearing Jesus talking to his disciples. This is on the eve before he's to be arrested, the day before he'll be crucified. And their faith is about to be tested, each of the disciples. They're going to run, and they're going to scatter. In the face of danger, they will leave him. The New International Version commentary says Jesus knew they would fail. However, his church is not built on people's strength, but on God's ability to use people even after they have failed. That is good news for me, and it's good news for all of us that are human and all of us that are weak. Jesus uses the phrase, take heart several times in the book of John and also in the book of Matthew. Uh, He uses it to describe to encourage his disciples 
to not lose hope, and to have peace. Jesus knew, of course, that he was leaving, and he knew that they would be devastated. um, They would abandon him, and he knew that, and yet he still loved them, and he forgave them. Barclay says, it's quite possible for a man to forgive someone and at the same time to make it clear that he is never prepared to trust that person again. But Jesus said, I know that in your weakness you will desert me. Nevertheless, I know you will still be conquerors. Never in all the world were forgiveness and trust so combined. These two short verses demonstrate clearly Jesus' divine side. It demonstrates a supernatural depth of forgiveness that he loves us in all of our weaknesses. He basically said, I know what's going to happen. It's not going to be a surprise to me. It doesn't change the fact that I still love you. Don't despair. Maintain hope. Barclays goes on to say, this is divine empathy and divine forgiveness. Jesus was thinking not of how men's sin would hurt him, but of how it would hurt them, and he encouraged them. This is not a natural way for us to think. This is not the way we ordinarily think. When someone hurts us, or leaves us, deserts us, abandons us, we don't immediately think about fully forgiving them, at least not immediately. But when we can, when God gives us the clarity of thinking to completely forgive someone that's wronged us or left us or abandoned us, then we are acting like Jesus. We are imitating our Lord and Savior. And we are acting out the prayer that we say every day. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two weeks ago, um, Joe spoke on love, and clearly love is the most important characteristic of a Christian. I'm not going to be duplicating what Joe said, but every message about God is about love in some way because God is love. Many years ago, I was cleaning out a, a house. It was my aunt's house a very uh, faithful Christian woman who had passed away. And I was going through a bookcase, and in the bookcase was a tiny little book. It was six inches high maybe, maybe a half an inch thick. Solid red, and on the front of it it said, all it said was, the greatest thing in the world. That's all it said. And I thought, well, I'd like to know what the greatest thing in the world is. So I, I took it home. And I read it, and it turned out to be one of the best books that I've ever read. It's by Sir Henry Drummond, uh, written in the 1800s. It's still available now. Um, it's, they've added a little bit to it, so it's a little thicker and larger, but, but it still gives the same message. It expounds on uh, Paul's essay about love in 1 Corinthians 13, which ends with the uh, sentence, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And, of course, 
the greatest thing in the world is love. But hope is important too. Paul does go on to say, love always hopes. And we know also that hope is part of the definition of faith. In Hebrews 11 it reads, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jesus points out uh, in, in the verses we just read that taking heart and taking hope is particularly important in times of trouble. One momentary trouble for our church is the fact that, again, we find ourselves without a pastor to lead us for the second time in the last three and a half years. At first, it's natural for us to be frustrated and disappointed, but we can take great comfort comfort in remembering Jesus' words to take heart in these times of trouble. Some of us were at a town hall meeting here a couple of weeks ago, uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, to discuss our situation and to answer any questions that the congregation might have. If you were there, I think you heard what I heard, and that was many heartfelt expressions of hope. We heard such things as, I love this church. It's the people, not the leader, that keeps me here. We're like family. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. And that's one I particularly identify with. First time Martha came here, Martha and I came here the first time we set foot in the door. We felt the presence of the Lord in this place, and we still do. And a final comment that was heard was, as we search for a pastor, let's be authentic about who we are. Our church is authentically blessed And we have many reasons to take heart. We've got a great location. We've got a great preschool. We're poised for growth. But the main and the most important thing is we have a strong core. And we may call it a remnant if we like. A a strong remnant of faithful, caring believers that love God's word and believe that it is inspired and that it is true. All of it. St. Augustine of Hippo said, If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. I noticed also today on the bulletin on the front, a quote by John Calvin says, Wherever we find the word of God surely preached and heard and the sacraments administered according to the institution of Christ, there it is not to be doubted is a church of God. So our, our theology is right and it is true. Our challenge is to share that truth in love and gentleness, but that's, that's a separate topic. My sense is that we are just the kind of church that Satan hates. We're a God-loving neighbor-loving group of believers who honor God's word and his promises as true. He attacks churches like ours. We don't talk very much about spiritual warfare, but maybe we should more. We all know that it's 
scriptural and it's biblically true. Satan is alive and active in this world and he's causing all kinds of problems for us and all kinds of problems for our culture and our entire country and our world. He's alive, but he's not well, not in the long run, because he's been dealt a fatal blow, as we know, by Christ. He just hasn't died yet. In the meantime, and until then, when we encounter trouble in this world, we can take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. And also in the meantime, as we look again for the right leader, we can take heart in remembering we already have a leader, don't we? The only truly righteous leader and the only one we absolutely have to have is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. He is our leader. And regardless of who we call as a pastor, if we ever forget that, if we ever forget who our real leader is, we're sunk. Our hope is in Him. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Many of us have had hope in Him for a long time, <clears throat> some for a long, long time. I'm older now, um, perhaps older than uh, many here, younger than some. Uh, I'm not as smart as I once was, or at least as smart as I thought I once was. My memory's not as good as it once was. Uh, not only that, my memory's not as good as it once was. Uh, Martha says that she thinks that uh, senility will be a pretty smooth transition for me. But aren't we glad that our salvation doesn't depend on our intellect? Aren't we thankful? God wants us to have wisdom, but it's his kind of wisdom. And that's a different type of wisdom. And we read in the Bible many places, particularly in the Old Testament, we read many places. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's the kind of wisdom that God wants. He wants his wisdom, which is dependent upon him for our wisdom. Jesus did not pick the 12 smartest guys in Galilee. Instead, he picked mostly uneducated fishermen. And we can be very thankful that our salvation is not reserved for the smartest or the most successful people. He is the basis for our hope, not ourselves. As the psalmist says, For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Many of you will remember Norm Brunsma. Brunsma. Norm was a faithful member here for a long time before he left. Um, a very good man. Uh, many of you uh, heard him uh, teach. Before he left, a couple of years ago, Norm told me that as he got older, that he was changing his, uh, his most favorite verse. His most favorite verse had now become 2 Corinthians chapter 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
Some of us, as we get older, can identify with that. Saying that we don't lose heart also means we don't lose hope in God. The psalmist says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There are a lot of things that cause trouble for us in this world and trouble our hearts. Many of them often involve loss. It can be loss of finances, loss of a job, it can be loss of uh, our health, the loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship, a relationship with a, a, simbl- a sibling, a brother or sister. It can be a loss of a relationship with a son or daughter, a loss of a relationship with a spouse or a friend, all involve a loss of what we'd hoped for in this world. And some losses lead to a crisis of faith, a dry spell, or even worse, a falling away. This is the type of loss that Satan wants us to lose the most. This is what he really wants us to lose. He wants us to lose faith in God and lose faith in God's goodness. Each of us has experienced loss and even loss of hope at some points in our lives. I'll share with you one of mine. One of those points for me was when I lost my earthly father. I had talked with him for years, a couple of years at least, about Jesus. And his response was always the same. I wish that I could believe, but I just can't. I heard that many, many times. My father was uh, what some might call a little bit of a rascal. Um, He was an interesting character. He did focus a lot on uh, self-gratification, but he was also a very giving and a very loving person. He loved my brother and me intensely. Though uh, my parents were divorced when I was five, My dad always stayed in touch. Uh, He was a Navy lifer, um, but on his leaves, he would take 